Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I want to share a little bit about my grandson. You can just sit, relax. I've got hundreds and hundreds of pictures. And since this is my last Sunday, you can't fire me. You can just... (laughs) No, I show you that because there is one particular thing that Landon does that I know all your children or your grandchildren did at one time as well. Sometimes he's timid. That is, he'll get afraid of things. Sometimes it's strangers. Sometimes it's a big step. Literally a big step. If he's walking along and and he comes to a step that makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't know whether he can do it. He'll walk over either to my wife or I and hold his hands up. He wants us to pick him up because he is uncomfortable. And he's comfortable when he's in our arms because he knows that we're going to take care of him. I love that. I love that when he reaches out to us like that. You remember those times. In all of our lives, we sometimes get to those times as well because doing more than is comfortable. (laughs) Hasn't done that in a long time. Doing more than is comfortable is, is hard. As we get older, especially, we know that we, learn, we are going to succeed at something before we really get into it. We like to know that it's going to work. I want to be personable, personal for a bit. I have been retired, as Dennis said, for seven years. I mean, officially retired. I've been helping out here, but that's been easy and wonderful. I I don't have to speak every week. I don't have to attend all of the meetings that the church has. But then a few weeks ago, I get this call from a DS. Now, you have to understand from a pastor's standpoint, in the spring of the year, any time you hear from the district superintendent, it's not necessarily a good thing. Especially when he says, uh, Bud, could I come over to your house for a few minutes? <laughs> the DS doesn't come to our houses for a few minutes unless there's something he wants. And sure enough, that's when he asked me to become the interim pastor 
down at Bethlehem Stone Powell and Spring Vale. I'm not going to be full-time, not a lot more hours than I'm doing here at Yorkshire, but it does mean I will be speaking again every week for a year. But what I want you to really understand, I have been very comfortable here at Yorkshire just helping out. And now I am asked, or being asked, to do something that very well may be difficult. You know, I'm sure, most of you, the story of the churches I am going to serve. They have been served by the same pastor for 31 years. And he died very suddenly on a Saturday night. So when people gathered that next Sunday morning, as you're gathering here, it had to be announced to them that their pastor had died during the night. So you know the pain that those congregations have experienced. So this next year, especially at the beginning, may very well be uncomfortable for me. But you know, that just puts me in a common thread with every biblical hero that you can name. They all were called on to do something that was uncomfortable for them. Think about it. I like the story of Gideon. The Israelite people were being ravaged by the Midianites. And God called upon Gideon to deliver Israel. And Gideon's response wasn't, oh boy, I can hardly wait. His response was, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my clan. God called Gideon to do what was uncomfortable for him. Joseph of Arimathea, remember that name? He's the one who who asked for the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. Joseph was Jewish. And also, though, kind of a secret follower of Jesus. And here he is asking for the body so that the rest of the Jewish nation knew now that Jesus was special to Joseph. He went beyond what had been comfortable for him to that point. Abraham called to do uncomfortable things on many occasions, to go to a land that God was going to show him, and Abraham didn't even know where that was going to be, to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, all of those uncomfortable things. And it goes on. Jonah, Moses, Paul, all of the disciples called to do uncomfortable things. Even that rich young ruler that I read about came to Jesus with a question about how to inherit eternal life. And after some conversation, Jesus said, here's what you need to do. Sell everything you have and come follow me. A call to that rich young man to do more than was comfortable for him. In reality, to do more than is comfortable means that you face some measure of fear and uncertainty. Remember the story of the Israelite people escaping their captivity in Egypt. Wonderful story. God led the people out of that slavery. He led them through the Red Sea, did wonderful things for them, supplying food and water for them. 
But when they finally came to Kadesh Barnea, which is near the promised land, they sent 12 spies over into the land to find out what they could do. Can we get there? Can, can we defeat the people that are in the land? 12 of them. 10 of them came back and said, no way, there are giants living there. We look like grasshoppers to them. There were only two, Caleb and Joshua, who said, we we can do this. But the men who had gone with Caleb and Joshua, they said, no, we are not strong enough to attack them. The people are more powerful than we are. And the people complained against Moses and Aaron and said it would have been better for us to have died in Egypt than here in the wilderness. God was calling them to do something that was uncomfortable for them. Beyond was a land just for them. And Caleb said, we can do this. We can take the land. But the people were saying, oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. I know we were slaves there, but at least we were comfortable there. Sometimes doing more than is comfortable means that we have to Go beyond. Sometimes it means that you must focus your faith on God. That's what you you need to do, what I need to do when we are facing uncomfortable circumstances. Remember, again, Peter walking on the water. At least according to the Gospel of Matthew, Peter actually walked on the water a few steps as long as he kept his gaze focused on Jesus. But when he lost that, when he lost that focus, that's when Peter sank. And Jesus had to reach out his hand and grab him. That's why the story of the rich young ruler is so sad. He had built a comfort zone in his life by his financial resources. It's interesting to me that every rich man that Jesus called, he didn't specifically say, Give up all your money. He didn't specifically, as far as we know, as far as it's recorded in Scripture, he didn't say that to Zacchaeus. He didn't say that even to Matthew. Now, he called Matthew to leave his tax collection booth, but he didn't specifically say, give up all your wealth. Only to this rich young ruler because Jesus knew how comfortable that rich young ruler was with his wealth. To move out of where you are comfortable, you must face fear and uncertainty sometimes, and you must focus on your faith in Christ. And could I add that doing more than is comfortable means you must be ready to make mistakes. We don't like mistakes. You may not have even noticed there was no children's time today. That's because I forgot that there was supposed to be a children's time today. (laughs) But I said, and David graciously, I didn't specifically say to David, I said, what are you going to do, fire me? (laughs) (laughs) If we're moving out of our comfort zone, sometimes we're going to make mistakes. You know how great a Christian Peter was? I did not research this other than read what somebody else had researched. 
But in all of the references of Peter, for instance, in Matthew, we find Peter mentioned in 24 different verses. In 11 of the 24, he is either doing or saying the wrong thing. In Mark, Peter is mentioned in 20 different verses. 11 out of the 20, he is saying or doing the wrong thing. In Luke, 7 out of 18 verses, he is saying or doing the wrong thing. And in John, 10 out of 19 verses, he is saying or doing the wrong thing. Now you calculate that, it means that almost 50% of the time, Peter did something wrong or said something wrong. And yet Jesus said to him, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We don't necessarily like failure, but it happens. Bob Stokes was one of the DSs over my years in full-time ministry that I sat under, so to speak, And Bob Stokes, he was pastor over at Red Lion for a time. One of his favorite sayings when we had our district meetings and the pastors got together, invariably he would say to us, I give you permission to fail. What he meant was, I want you to be creative. I want you to do things. I want you to try things. And if they don't work, that's okay. I give you permission to fail. If we're going to get out of our, if I'm getting out of my comfort zone that I've had with you, I have to face some uncertainty because I don't know how it's going to work. I have to, I, I have to be willing to focus my, on my faith in Christ and I have to be willing to make some mistakes. But here's one other thing I want you to realize. Sometimes we have a choice and sometimes we don't. I had a choice about going and serving those churches near Red Lion. I could have said no. It would have been easier to say no. I had a choice. But you know what? The two churches I am going to serve, they didn't have a choice. It was not their choice that their pastor would die suddenly as he did. And you know what else? You don't have a choice. It was not your choice, your decision for Pastor Hummel to retire. You were very comfortable as a congregation in the 18 years that he was able to be here and serve you. Now you're going somewhere that to some extent is uncomfortable for you. Over this next year, as you deal with an interim pastor and then beyond that, as you have another permanent pastor assigned to you, I hope that you will pick up the slack, as it were. A lot of you may have to do something you haven't done before, especially in this interim year, to make sure that Yorkshire Church remains strong and vibrant. Sometimes in our lives when we have to deal with something that is uncomfortable, it is because we don't really have a choice. 
I want to tell you about Jeff Freeman. Jeff was a member of the church I served right out of seminary. He, he and his wife, Chris, young couple who started to come to that, that congregation sometime during the years I was with them. They were quiet, both of them, very quiet people. I remember well when my dad died and I was at the funeral home during one of the visitation times and Jeff and Chris came and as I was standing there, they came over to me Neither of them said anything, but they both had tears in their eyes. That's the kind of people they were. They weren't verbal. They didn't talk a lot. Although Chris now is, Chris is, the wife is now a pastor in our conference. But at that time, she was very quiet and reserved. Sometime after I left that charge, Jeff came down with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He died around 2002. The pastor of the church at that time was Randy Hughes. And this was a, a note that Randy had sent to me. And this is written by Jeff. Again, my point being... Sometimes we don't have a choice about facing uncomfortable situations. Jeff did not choose to have Lou Gehrig's disease. Jeff wrote, some time ago, Pastor Randy asked if I would like an opportunity to speak to the congregation. At that time, I was not ready. But as I began to lose the ability to speak, the idea simply went away until now. And then he goes in to talk about growing square cucumbers. I don't know whether you've ever seen that, but Jeff saw it on TV, building a box around the cucumber as it's growing, and you will make a square cucumber. But he writes, the plan to grow square cucumbers by building boxes around them began as nothing more than a curiosity, something I saw on TV and thought would be fun to try. However, as I began to put the plan into action, it grew to be much more symbolic to me. As you know, cucumbers are not exactly alike, but do generally have a similar appearance. You know a cucumber when you see a cucumber. We as people share characteristics. We're not all the same, but you can easily tell a person from a fish. But just like the cucumbers in my garden, every now and then somebody or something tries to put us in a box in order to confine our growth or shape us into something other than what God intended us to be. As a group of believers and followers of Christ, it is often our society that constructs our box of confinement. Society shows us how great it can be inside the box if we wear the right clothes, choose the right activity, drink a particular drink, or if we just had a little more money. As individuals, we also face things that work toward confining our growth spiritually, emotionally, physically. The loss of a job, 
The death of a loved one, a divorce, the end of a relationship often bring loneliness, financial strains, uncertainty. Health problems of our own or of those we close to us may also cause us to fall short of the growth God had planned for us. Lou Gehrig's disease is obviously the box that attempts to confine me, and in many ways it is doing a pretty good job. You can still recognize the cucumber, it's just not the same as the others. But here are his words of hope. But you can rest assured in the strength of God's plan. I have found that if you choose to confine a cucumber, you better build with heavy material. God's strength in nature is pretty awesome. And so it is with the desire to participate in life's pleasures. The box that confines me physically is not strong enough to keep me from living and enjoying each day. Undoubtedly, I would love to go to the ocean and walk on the beach. But riding in a wheelchair with big balloon tires allowed me to touch the sand and watch the dolphins in the surf. I would love to add my voice to the music during worship, but I settle for singing them in my head. A real conversation with any of you would be a cherished event, but I will listen, nod, and add what I can as you tell me your stories. Lou Gehrig's disease confines me, but God provides the means to break out of the box. In many ways, I'm merely along for the ride, dealing with life and attempting to show that the grace of God and the love of Jesus can break the box that tries to confine me. Sometimes we have to do things that are uncomfortable for us. I'm going to do that over the next year. So are you. I hope you will find comfort in that. I hope you will find comfort in your commitment to the life of Yorkshire Church. I hope that you will find comfort in being willing to step up and do things that need to be done, even if there are things you have never done before. Doing more than is comfortable is what is needed for you and for me. Let's bow together for just a moment. Dear Lord, I pray that you would be with this congregation, that you would be with them as they face some uncomfortable times, times where they haven't been for 18 years. I pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them a call to be the people they are meant to be. We pray in Christ. Amen.